0: Chapter Twenty One of In the Pecos Country by Edward Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One A Terrible Night. The prospect of being besieged all night in a tree by a pack of mountain wolves was not a pleasant one by any means and Fred, who had climbed up among the branches with the object of securing a few hours' slumber, found little chance of closing his eyes for even a minute. "'It might have been worse,' he reflected, as he listened to the dismal howling,
1: "'for if they had happened to come down upon me when I was walking along the ravine, I couldn't have gotten into any place like this in time to save me. Wolves don't know how to climb trees, and so long as I stay here I'm all right.' but I can't stay here forever.'
0: By and by there was a sharp pattering upon the ground, and then the hoarse howling changed to quick dog-like yelps such as these animals emit when leaping down upon their prey, and which may be supposed to mean exultation. Fred came down sufficiently far from his perch to get a glimpse of the ground beneath he saw nearly a score of huge mountain wolves bounding hither and thither and over each other and back and forth as though going through some preliminary exercise so as to prepare themselves for the feast that was soon to be theirs if i was down there thought the boy with a shudder i suppose i'd last them
1: about two minutes and then they'd be hungrier than ever they'll stay there all night but I wonder if they'll go away in the morning. If they don't, I can't tell what's to become of
0: me." He watched them a while with a lingering fear that some of them might manage to get among the branches, but they did not make the attempt. They had sufficient dexterity to leap from the ground up among the lowermost limbs, but had no power of retaining their position or doing anything after they got there. Nature had unfitted them for such work, and they did not try it. They seemed to possess tireless activity and they kept up their leaping and frolicking as though they had nothing else in the world to do. After watching them until he was tired, Fred carefully climbed up among the branches again where he secured himself as firmly as was possible. He had lain his rifle across a couple of limbs above his head and fixed upon a place within a dozen feet or so of the top as the one offering the best support here two or three limbs were gnarled and twisted in such a way that he could seat himself and arrange his body in such a way that he could have enjoyed a night's slumber with as much refreshment as if stretched out upon a blanket on the ground but the serenade below was not calculated to soothe his nerves into soft downy sleep and he shuddered at the thought of sitting where he was for four or five hours with the pattering feet below him varied by a yelp or howl when he should feel disposed to close his eyes. "'But then it can't be helped,' he added to himself, endeavouring to look philosophically at the matter.
1: "'I ought to be thankful that they didn't catch me before I reached the tree. And so I am, and I would be very thankful, too, if they would go away and leave me alone. I've got a bed here twice as good as I expected to find, and could sleep as well as anywhere
0: else.' Almost any sound, long continued, becomes monotonous, and thus it was that scarcely a half hour had passed when, in spite of the dreadful beasts below, his eyes began to grow heavy and his head to droop. But at this juncture he received a terrible shock. Just as everything was becoming dreamy and unreal he was startled by a jarring of the tree as though struck with some heavy object When it was repeated several times, his senses returned to him, and he raised his head and listened. "'I wonder what that can be,' he said to himself. "'Is someone hitting the tree? No, it isn't that.' It seemed not so much a jarring of the trunk as a swaying of the whole tree. Puzzled and alarmed, Fred drew his legs from their rather cramped position and picked his way downward among the limbs until he had descended far enough to inform himself— "'Heaven save me, they're in the tree!' he gasped, paralysed for the moment with terror. In one sense such was the case. The frolicsome wolves had varied their amusement by springing upward among the lowermost branches. A brute would make a jump, and landing upon the limb, sustain himself until one or two of his comrades imitated his performance, when they would all come tumbling to the ground.' Thus it may be said they were climbing the tree, but they were scarcely in it when they were out of it again, and Fred had nothing to fear from that source. In his fright, he hastily clambered back again after his rifle with the intention of shooting the one that was nearest, but by the time he laid his hand upon the weapon his terror had lessened so much that he concluded to wait until assured that it was necessary, and a few minutes waiting convinced him that he had nothing to fear from that source. It was only another phase of the hilarious fun they were keeping up for their own amusement. "'I guess I'll try it again,' concluded Fred, as he proceeded to stow his arms and legs into position for the nap which he came so near commencing a few minutes before. He did not consider it within the range of possibility that he should unconsciously displace his limbs during sleep sufficiently to permit him to fall.' He heard the yelping and occasional baying below, the rustling among the limbs, and the undulation caused by the animals leaping upward among the branches. But they ceased to disturb him after a time, and became like the sound of falling water in the ears of the hunter by his campfire. It was not long before slumber stole away his senses, and he slept. A healthful boy generally sleeps well and is untroubled by dreams unless he has been indulging in some indiscretion in the way of diet, but the stirring scenes of the last few days were so impressed upon the mind of Fred that they reappeared in his visions of night, and he lived them all over again. He was again standing in the silent wood along the Rio Pecos with Mickey O'Rooney watching for the stealthy approach of the Apaches as time passed he saw the excited figure of sut simpson the scout as he came thundering over the prairie with his warning cry of the approach of the redskins the rattling fight in front of the young settlement the repulse of the apaches the swoop of lone wolf and the lad's capture the night ride the encampment among the mountains his own singular escape and finally his siege by the mountain wolves All these passed through the mind of the sleeping lad and finally settled down to a hand-to-hand fight with the leader of the brutes. Fred fancied that the two had met in the ravine, and clubbing his gun he whacked the beast over his head every time he leaped at him. He struck him royal resounding blows, too, but somehow or other they failed to produce any effect the wolf kept coming and coming again until at last the boy concluded he would wind up the bout by jumping upon and throwing him down and then deliberately choking him to death he made the jump and awakening instantly found that he had leaped out of bed and was falling downward through the limbs it all flashed upon the lad with the suddenness of lightning he remembered the ravenous wolves and with a shuddering horror which cannot be pictured or imagined felt that he was dropping directly into their fangs it was the instinctive nature which caused him to throw out his feet and hands in the hope of checking his fall by a hair's breadth he succeeded but it was nearly the lowermost limb which he grasped with his desperate clutch and hung with his arms dangling within reach of the wolves below. The famished brutes seemed to be expecting this choice tidbit to drop into their maws, and their yelps and howls became wilder than ever, and they nearly broke each other's necks in their furious frolicking back and forth. The moment young Munson succeeded in checking himself, he made a quick effort to draw up his feet and regain his place beyond the reach of the brutes. It was done in a twinkling, but not soon enough to escape one of the creatures which made a leap and fastened upon his foot. The lad was just twisting himself over the limb when he felt one of his shoes seized in the jaws of a wolf. The sudden addition to his weight drew him down again and almost jerked his hold from the limb in which event he would have been snapped up and disposed of before he could have made a struggle in the way of resistance. But he held on, and with an unnatural spasm of strength drew himself and the clogging weight part way up, kicking both feet with a fury of despair. The wolf held fast to one shoe, while the heel of the other was jammed into his eyes. This, however, would not have dislodged him, had not his own comrades interfered, and defeated the brute by their own eager greediness. Seeing that the first one had fastened to the prize, a half-dozen of them began leaping upward with the purpose of securing a share in the same. In this way they got into each other's way, and all came tumbling to the ground in a heap before they could repeat the performance the terrified lad was a dozen feet beyond their reach and climbing still higher when fred reached his former perch he was in doubt whether he should halt or go still higher his heart was throbbing violently and he was white and panting from the frightful shock he had received that was awful he gasped as he reflected upon what had taken place
1: i don't know what saved me from death yes i
0: do It was God," he added, looking up through the leaves to the clear moonlit sky above him.
1: He has brought me through a good many dangers, and he will not forsake
0: me." After such an experience, it was impossible that sleep should return to the eyes of the lad. He resumed his old perch, but only because it was the most comfortable. Had he believed that there was a possibility of slumber, he would have fought it off. But there was not. "'I'll wait here till morning,' he said to himself. "'It must be close at hand, and then maybe they will go away.' He looked longingly for some sign of the breaking of day, but the moonlight, for a long time, was unrelieved by the rose-flush of the morning. End of Chapter 21 Read by Thomas Rose